Powers to the people. Love Talk Radio. All powers to oppress people. African power to an African people. Black power. It's your it's your brother Yang and Krumah, chairman of the People's Black Panther Party, coming to you again with a uh, another show. We usually come on Wednesdays, Mondays and Wednesdays, but I thought it was important. And and let me say this, man. Kudos to the People's New Black Panther Party for running the life and times of a. Uh, Brother Chairman Kahar, I thought it was important that a lot of new brothers and sisters to the revolution, uh, for the first time being exposed, get an opportunity to hear how third development soldiers, whom some call original soldiers, did their thing and how they came about and arrived to the conclusions that they arrived at. Man, it is great to have everyone on the line. Thank you for calling in on such short notice, listening to your brother talk to you. And as always, this is an opportunity for you to talk. This is your radio program, People's Black Panther Party, independent black radio, independent black talk, where you can come in with your comments, questions, opinions, and share with us. What we're going to touch on today's topic was, what is the role of the revolutionary organization and black leaders? What's the role of the revolutionary organization and black leaders? Do Is the revolutionary, black revolutionary organization still relevant in this day and time? I mean, with everything going on, with the advances that we've had uh, from society and the so-called programs that the government has given us, is a revolutionary organization really necessary or is it just stronger reforms within the legislation that we have? Would that work better for us? And black leadership, what is black leadership? What does black leadership look like in this day and time? Is there such thing as black leadership? And if so, if there is a such thing as black leadership, what do we expect? from our black leadership. And my listening audience out there, the brothers and sisters that are listening, can you, I, I would love for you to call in and tell me one, one a, a black leader. Someone you would say is a black leader and the qualities they possess that makes them stand out or would put them in the category being called a black leader. And also I like to talk about brand new, fresh off. I was just looking at the news uh, the four, the two brothers and the two sisters in Chicago that were charged with a hate crime, those brothers and sisters that allegedly uh, kidnapped a mentally ill white boy, tortured him, and they're saying that they're upping the charges to hate crimes because of the racial epithets, because of the slurs and things. So they're, they're, they're upping this, bringing the charges to a, a hate crime. And it's been all over the national networks, man. I mean, they're making a big, a very big fuss about it. And they act like this is the most horrendous act that they've ever seen. They act like they have never witnessed anything so horrendous. But my question, like any other question, like every other question is, what about the white boy that went into church right down here? I'm in North Carolina right now is one of the reasons that it's taking so long to get on. Your chairman's in the field, man. You know how we do as revolutionaries. But I didn't get the sense of outrage, the sense of indignation, the sense of frustration and outright just awe, shock and awe at the white boy who went into church and killed nine black people in an all-black church. Now, I'm not justifying what was done or allegedly done. You know, one of the stupidest things that could have been done is which I always go back to my rant about is this damn social media, damn social media. 
This has to be one of the worst things. An instrument that could have been used for so much good has been the most uh, 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 weapon of detriment to the advancement, in my opinion, of course, progressiveness and liberation and empowerment of an African people here in America has been in social media. Not only do we use it to defame one another and humiliate one another and to go after one another and attack one another, but now we're seeing that in our young people, we use it to indict our damn selves on criminal cases. This has to be one of the worst things that happened, and that has to be the stupidest thing that was done. Like I said, again, I'm not condoning any action, the, the actions of those uh, two brothers and those two sisters. I'm just pointing out this comparison. And it goes back to the role of this black leadership, uh, and black, not just black leadership, but the role of black revolutionary organizations. Why are our youth so out of hand? Why are they unreachable? Why, do, why are they left to demonstrate their frustration and their rage and their, and their disenfranchisement from society in such a manner? There's apparent that something's going on here. From the very fact that these young men and young women who probably never vote, who probably don't understand really anything about politics, but it is innate, their sense of injustice, their sense of oppression and exploitation and being uh, uh, the sense of going through what they go through being African here in America, you can see it being released and expressed in their words and their treatment of this uh, white handicapped boy. You see it. You see it expressed. So where is the revolutionary black organization that went out and that tapped into that sentiment, that taps into that vibe, and starts to harness and, and focus that? Let's go to our phone lines, man. We got our phone lines lighting up. Let's go straight to our phone lines. Area code 615-0807. You're live on the air with People's Black Panther Party, Independent Black Talk Radio. Hey, peace and divine blessings. How you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How about you, Chief War? I'm doing excellent. My name is uh, Master Sound Therapist Huni Bakatoon. It's uh, great to hear your tone. It's my first time calling in, and I actually was invited uh, by a great sister, uh, Marion, from Marion Productions. So she sent me the uh, information, and I was a little surprised to get to you so early. So, uh, man, I can only imagine. But, uh, Anyway, not to halt the time, I just want to be as brief as I possibly can. When you speak about leadership, I'm one of those that was born and raised to be a leader. I had some of the greatest examples from my mother and my father, uh, to my grand, you know what I mean, just my ancestors, all the way up to my godfather, and one of the best that ever did it in our time. I would have to, you know, say hands up without a shadow of a doubt is Dr. Malachi of New York. Was the one of the highest mm-hmm. examples that I have ever written, you know. And I, and I say this not from a mere uh, follower's perspective, because I ain't never been one of the followers. But I have always, uh, you know, walked beside him as a student, absorbed all the information that he was able to give, you know, many of us in the form of books, in the form of live and direct in person. And by me taking the time to get to know him on a personal level. Are extraordinary. And one of the things that, that far back as I can remember, which is a total of 26, almost 27 years ago, uh, it was all about all of us. 
you get what I'm saying? So that's one thing I heard not only out of his mouth, but, you know, I, uh, you know, just watched him through the years and learned, and it's just a phenomenal being. But bottom line is uh, each one of us who make that choice, because it is a conscious choice, you know, to be the, the leaders of ourselves and other people who might need guidance. And that's exactly what, you know, we as a leader and many of us, that's the only thing that we can offer is guidance. And let me say something right quick, if you will. You think about, first of all, if, if, if the power that the media has, we don't control our own media, even, even when you look at so-called uh, black entertainment and black media, we are not coming forth and actually utilizing our power. Our power is really just like any other nation of people. Their power comes from when they put their money together, put their resources together, and they have military, they have everything that a real nation needs. And this is something, especially this day and time, that, uh, matter of fact, any other time, there has never been a joint effort from the shores of America all the way throughout the rest of the world for a black people dependent nation, which goes uh, to stand the reason. This is one of the reasons why we get so much abuse. And they are never, this is, this is, I'm almost done. This is the reason why uh, most Caucasians already know they have, you say what you want to say about them, but they're going to stand together and they're going to defend their rights and their way of life and what they believe in. And, I, and, they're, and they'll do everything in their power to protect that. Black people are the only one, I'm just saying black for lack of, you know, for so many things that we're called, the only mm-hmm. people that I have ever seen that would sing, dance, march, do anything you can imagine besides standing together. There has never been a time, and we have been at war since you can imagine, since we lost total control of ourselves and kind. There has never been any nation of people in history that ever danced, sung, and danced their way to freedom. It has <laughs> never happened on no, on no scale. I'm not saying this to be funny, but... Uh, I'm almost done. Uh, matter of fact, my sniper trainer, he told me that when those buildings came down, whether it was conspiracy or whatever, he told me as soon as that last building came down over here in America with the, with the so-called 911, he said when the time that last building came down, this is out of his mouth, because I got pictures of him coming out of the water. He said as soon as that last building came down here in America, they were touching down in Saudi Arabia. That's the way you handle a war. You don't sing and dance when it comes to, to, to our, our overall uh, freedom. And this is why, because we would not stand together as a, as, as a people. You understand? And they, as, far as, as far as that demon, because this is exactly what he was, that went in there and shot them people. And, 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 and this is stupidity. I hate to say this, but the, how stupid can a people be? And I'm talking about the elders and the family members. That actually, before this, this demon was arraigned, the very next day, after he shot them nine people, they're on forgiving him. He hasn't been even arraigned yet. They, they, I don't think they even know the magnitude of what they actually did. By them doing that, and it was, and they televised it, right? It's going to be a small chance in hell for they ever convict this dude. Why? For one thing, the, the stupid relatives and friends and so-called uh, church members forgive this guy on national TV. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. So he'll never, he'll never get convicted, man. That's what I'm saying. How stupid. I mean, 
I, mean, I can't even say that slavery has actually did this. I can't say that because that's beyond that's beyond a slave mentality that would ever do mm-hmm. something like that. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry. I know it went a little bit overboard, family. But, no, brother, um, no, brother. You know, I'm just a little surprised that I got through, but but that's the truth of the matter. And the only way that we'll be able to stop this this madness, and or the, I think the, something else you said about the youth. It's a reason why the youth had got away from us because they sat back and watched, you know, their parents, if they have a two-parent household, uh, you know, get split up, arguing back and forth over bills, playing this, you know, chasing the dollar, the almighty dollar, you know, and they're seeing this. And they said that they're not going to put up with the stuff that they watch their grandfathers, their mothers, and their fathers or, or their single-parent homes go through what they go through. They'd rather live and die. They'd rather do what they have to do and, and just, you know, be, you know, get on with their life if they have to. They'd rather take a chance in their life than to put up the bull crap because this is what I'm talking about, you know, that those of us, such as Sister uh, uh, Miriam and myself and many others, you know, we're coming together and we're forming an alignment to the point where we're investing in each other, we're supporting in each other financially, you see, because for some reason, uh, when it comes to uh, black people or melanite people, you know, for some reason, they don't want to put their money where their mouth is. It's okay to give encouragement and stuff like that, but our people need money when it comes to business. You see what I'm saying? So until we find, well, I can't say it, until people started really, really putting their money where their mouth is and those of us who are really, really serious about our liberation, then, you know, we're gonna, we deserve the hell that we get. I, I hate to say it. It's, it. We deserve what we're getting, man. You understand? Because we are not doing what we're supposed to do by nature. Every nation in the, in the world, every people in the world have a right to defend themselves, to support themselves, and be the primary uh, uh, one when it comes to our liberation and freedom. And freedom ain't true. Absolutely. 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 Yeah, what's your name, and, sir? This is my first time calling in. It's a pleasure. I love your tone. Love your tone of voice. You understand? So thank, uh, you, brother. Uh, thank you so much for allowing my voice to be heard, sir. Man, absolutely, absolutely. This is my my name is Chairman Yanker, Yanker and Krum. And this is your radio program, brother. This is what the program is all about. To get the opinions, comments, critiques, criticisms of our people out there. Let's address a few things. Yes. First of all, send a shout out to Sister Mary. I'm working with a very powerful prolific sister. Sister reached out to me uh, in her campaign to free Dr. Malachi York, free Dr. York. Yes. Um, I don't know if you have the, do you have the website, the um, site that they can go to to sign the petition? Would you know that right off the top of your head? Uh, honestly, I don't, but if I have a number, maybe I can inbox it to you. I do, because I Wait, if you can myself. get it before the show I, I is out. Myself. If you, Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. Yes, hold up a minute. I might be able to pull it up right now. Just a minute. If you okay. don't mind, give me about just, 30 seconds. I should be able to pull it up. Um, okay. Because just, a lot of people uh, always send me, sir. Yeah, and I was just going to say, just chime in. You get it. Yeah, when you get it, let me know and come in because we want to put that information out there. Let me say this. When we're talking about black leadership, I think that that is a, a, a good example. Miriam and I were talking, and I was talking about how greatly he had influenced me. Though I never was officially a part of the New Arbians, just coming up, going back from the days of the Ansar Law, how this, how this, this man, this dynamic black teacher had influenced me. 
and so on and so forth. And even to the day of moving down to Edenton, Georgia, and doing the things that they had, the work that was done down in Edenton, Georgia, whether people agree or disagree, whether they adhere to that particular belief or not, you have to acknowledge the influence that this man has had on a nation. And it goes back to saying what you're saying about us dancing and singing for our freedom. One of the reasons we feel do, and even to the extent of forgiving um, people who so blatantly, I believe that they call Tamahus in, 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 the, in the Nuwabian tradition, that even people who have blatantly shown us historically, traditionally, that they don't love us, they don't care for us, that they're hell-bent on our destruction physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and every other way, um, he had come to offer a people a sense of identity, and they will not accept black people having any sense of identity because with a sense of identity becomes a sense of culture. And with a sense of culture, then there comes a sense of purpose. And when you have that sense of purpose, you start to do things to achieve goals. And that's what they don't want from us. We talk about revolutionary organizations and organizations that are for the advancement and empowerment of our people. I think that clearly in their own right and in their own ways, the Nuwabians clearly exemplified such an organization. And this is what we're talking about. Have our organizations today just become mere sensationalist organizations? Have they become organizations to, uh, I always say, especially with the social media thing, to achieve more likes? Our so-called black leaders now are out to, in my opinion, of course, attain celebrityism, local celebrities, and in a lot of instances to get paid. You know, this is a pay thing now. We're living in this capitalist society where it's all about that dollar. And if you can say the right things, if you can whip up enough fear and have um, present yourself to this white man as the voice of reason for this angry and unruly black community, it might even be a few bucks in it for you. And this is what we see happening to us. And this is why I say that you have, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a lot of posts and I'm talking to a lot of people, and you have a lot of people even questioning the relevance of revolutionary black organizations now. We have or just any progressive organization or any organization that is about African empowerment or black empowerment, like you said, for lack of better words, we won't get into the semantics of what we as African people in America <laughs> call it. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? I think that that's just, you know, more division. You know what I'm saying? And we missed a bigger picture. But that um, that's true. people I, are now I, I want to say this. I yes, want to say this right quick because I, I was able to pull it up, sir. I apologize. I just want to get that to you because I don't want to haul because I know other people might want to call in. Okay? For people who want to sign the petition, I, I, matter of fact, I heard great news that they finally reached, or we as a whole, finally reached the 10,000 uh, uh, mark of signed signature. Excellent. But there's, you know, much, much, you know, that's only a milestone, okay? But if people are still interested, you can go to www. the three W. Thing. And then you got slash, that's a slash to the right, um, P, that's another slash, and it's Barack, that's B-A-R-A-C-K dash O-B-A-M-A dash pardon, okay, P-A-R-D-O-N dash doctor, that's D-R dash Y-O-R-K, R-K dash A dash Chance, which is C-H-A-N-C-E dash O-R dash Chance, C-H-A-N-G-E dash 
for F O R dash U S or us dash A L L all dash F O R or dash U S dash all again or A L L dash A dash chance C H A N C E dash two T O dash change again which is C-H-A-N-G-E, okay? And I also want to say this right quick. There's another yes, thing that, that's just like uh, Facebook, and I'm, I'm in a process about ready to do a post because we have no more excuses now. So anyone who's listening, we have something of our own that need our support financially, okay, which is called Black Junction. I already became a member. It works and formatted just like Facebook. And it's something of our own. We all know that when it comes to, when we speak about the injustices of melanite people or black people, they got a power to edit it, our post, because it be me like that all the time. You get what I'm saying? You know, they got a power to edit posts. I mean, you'll post something. I know I have posted many things, and they would just vanish. I mean, just vanishing thin, thin air. So, but, but we got to realize, and we can't argue back and forth over something that's dead and a real leader amongst us, right? I say that it's not so much about blacking out America, it's about blacking in our way, which is putting our money where our mouth is, supporting ourselves when it comes to business, and stop with the lip service. Stop trying to undercut when, we, when we're dealing with real black business. And once we really do that on an on a, on a individual, couple, group, family, city to city, town to town, and we're able to pick ourselves back up, and we'll be in control before you know it. Like one and another, another great uh, uh, a leader, a real leader that was amongst us, uh, that was called the, the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He said that we will be in heaven overnight. If we were to unify, we'll be in heaven overnight. But a lot of people don't believe it. Now, I will say this one, one more thing on behalf of Dr. York. He did his job, right? And he's still doing his work. But here's the problem. You got a lot of people that was nothing but followers. That's all they were. You understand? And he never wanted followers. He wanted real leaders. You understand? Because that's all they are. A follower will only follow a leader up to a certain point. And now that he's not visible, when he stopped being visible, in, in, you know, when, when the raid happened, up to the raid of, of May 8, 2002, our followers got stuck. Men are angry. And then you got sick, miserable people out here saying and doing all kinds of things and want to blame one of the greatest amongst us for their miserable life. You understand? So this is what mm -hmm. I'm saying. I want people to hear me. You listen to someone who was a, a, a avid student of his, not, not a mere follower. You understand? And I know this man personally. I can vouch for his character. You get what I'm saying? So I know mm -hmm. that the character of this person that I met and talked and traveled with for many, many years, that's not the character of the man who I know that uh, made me a better man. But when you got mm -hmm. followers, that's all, you know, that, that it's, it's almost like I, I, I really can't, can't really give anything, no truth for them. Because to me, you're talking about grown men that don't want to stand up and be men. Because it's easier for them to put the blame on somebody else than, than assume the responsibility like a man. Mm -hmm. And that's so, mm -hmm. or women. You understand? They're so caught up into their miserable life that they want to point the finger at somebody else. It's easier. You know? It's so, easier. Yeah, it's easier. It's, it's easier. Mm -hmm. You know, with your sick. 
You know, and a matter of fact, I want to say this, and so this is such a plug. My name is Huni, that's H-U-N-I-B-A-K-A-P-U-N, and you can find me on YouTube with an excellent video that was done on WNT9 Radio by a brother named Brother Intellect, an excellent recording artist, a a phenomenon when it comes to uh, music, writing, delivery. He has his own radio show, and he also needs to be supported. Find an excellent, uh, detailed interview that's almost an hour. You can find me on YouTube. Okay. 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 And, we, and thank and you so much, sir. Do. You're welcome, man. Thank you for calling in and, 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 and sharing that with us. You make us a very okay. prolific statement. And one of the things that, like the brother is saying, when we talk about black leadership, what is the role of this black leadership? The role, is, uh, the role of this black leadership should be there's a post that I put up one time and I said I said that strong people don't need strong leaders. They need strong organizations. And so strong leaders and real black leaders, what they try to do, they bring out the best in us. They bring out these leadership abilities in us. They give us the tools and the coping mechanisms to teach us to deal with everyday life. And one of the things that like we go back to saying when he was talking about our economics, he was talking about the honorable Elijah Muhammad even talking about the Honorable Dr. Malachi of York, one of the things that I find, the reoccurring theme, theme or the common thread between all of these dynamic leaders was not only did they give us the coping mechanisms, not only did they give us the tools, but they gave us a sense of identity. You see, that is one of the most important parts to me, and I feel like that a revolution, and we study when we study revolution, we understand the importance of culture, that a revolution, a true revolution must have be fighting for an identity, fighting for a culture. And that culture must be a culture of empowerment. That culture must be a culture of liberation. And that's why I say that you don't find today, in my opinion, of course, a lot of the uh, revolutionary organizations really pushing that aspect of it. I see a lot of us emulating and imitating our oppressor. We start to talk about these armies, and we start to build up so-called, we start to try to start to build up so-called armies. Um, I'm sorry. Listen, your chair, I'm I'm trying to multitask here, and my computer is not doing the the best right now. Um, We start to try to, we start to try to build up these so-called armies and things of that nature in, in, um, okay, I'm sorry. Listen, I, I got off got off track here, um, in, emulating, in emulating our oppressor. And you will never be able to fight your oppressor with the tools that he taught you. So until we start to find things to counter that, until we start to do the things that empower us as a people, until we start to tap into that innate nature, those things that are relevant to us as a people, those things that we identify as, that identify with as a people, we will always just be a carbon copy and always be a footstep behind. This is why I don't think that we really grasp the role of the revolutionary organization, really grasping that the revolutionary organization's job is to create programs to help us through this revolutionary transitional change, to help us to gain some self-sufficiency and some independence. Like I said, I'm not a new obvious, but just from an hourly perspective, from someone looking out of the from the outside, looking in, one of the things that frightened this devil 
that frightened this cracker was the fact that you had an individual come down and not only did he spark and inspire African people to start to form this nation, but he was teaching them self-sufficiency, that they had their land, they had their language, they had clothing, they were feeding themselves. I was even so blessed to show this, the very sister talked to, I was shown currency, that it was getting to the point that they were developing their own currency. Therefore, when the people develop their own currency, they must have an economic system. So it only naturally speaks to the fact that they must have been developing the economic system. And this frightened this crack. Independence, self-determination, us saying that we reserve the right and have the right to determine our own destiny and that we want an end, we demand an end, and we'll fight for an end, like the beautiful brother was saying, that every that every being has the natural right to defend him or herself, that we not only uh, demand and want that we will fight for the right to determine our own destination without the intentional hindrance and obstacles and encumbrances that you put in our way to stop our natural evolution and our natural development. See, we can't, so we start to get into this. They have pumped to us this multiculturalism, this grandiose humanitarianism. And there's nothing wrong with being humanitarian. I'm a humanitarian. I'm not going to sit there and play with you. I'm a humanitarian. To be a real revolutionary black nationalist, a real revolutionary pan-Africanist, you must be a humanitarian. I practice, in, I practice African communalism. My political philosophy is that of scientific socialism, most commonly known as Krumeism or whatever, and aspects of that is humanitarianism. I love humanity, but not to the exclusion of my own people. It is impossible to love everyone else to the exclusion of your own. How are you going to be such a humanitarian and fight for the rights of everyone else and want everyone else to have these um to make sure everyone else's living conditions are great and that they're not being oppressed and they're not being exploited and step over your brother and sister every day who are going through that exploitation, oppression. How How is that possible? So when you don't have that connectedness, when you don't have that, um, that like I said, that connected, that, that what, what's the word I'm looking for? That, um, ability to feel your brother's pain, that shared experience, that understanding of that shared ex- that empathy for your brothers and sisters, and you have it more for other people, this is how you start to get into this, well, we're going to forgive everybody. Like the brother said, we're just going to forgive the white boy for coming in and murdering our people. Anger, healthy, anger is healthy when it's a righteous indignation. It's, it inspires change. It inspires us to do better for ourselves. It inspires us to want more. It inspires us to shake the shackles of oppression from around our necks and from around our brains. It inspires us to take back our labor and start to labor for our own advancement and not for everyone else and not for materialism and not to be caught up into this capitalism to where we're um, exploiting our own. This is why I say that in our communities, buy black is no longer sufficient. There must be an end to black capitalism. There must be an end to black exploitation. My skin folk are no longer all, all my kin folk. We have to know that. 
And this is where we have to start to question our so-called black leaders. What is your vision? What is your direction? What is your long-term goals, aims, and objectives? What are you doing? What are you teaching? What are you espousing to lead the people to independence? And it doesn't have to be, and we have to get out of, like I said, this divisiveness. We have to get away from this Eurocentric thinking that our way is the right way. There again, I make reference this since we had the beautiful brother coming on talking about the master teacher, Dr. Malachi Z. York. Like I said, I, I wasn't a Nuwabian, but as an African here in America, as a black man here in America, I understand what is good for black people. And I have people from different faiths and denominations. I have Muslims. I have Christians that have influenced me and that I support in our liberation and our empowerment. How can we not? We'll get it. These very people will argue. This is what it, it, it always gets me, you know, when I read the Facebook. We'll get people, other people's belief systems. I was born a Sunni Muslim. I don't, you know, and we'll, and I'll read these Facebooks and you'll get these people to tear down this Arab and you Arab this and you this, and go and then turn around and quote Malcolm. They tear down Christianity, all these Christians, this and Christians, and then turn around and, and, and big up Nat Turner. I've never understood it. You think that this white man doesn't sit back and laugh at us? It tickles him to death because despite whatever he professes, whether he's Catholic or Baptist, whether he's a Jew, whether he's atheist or a communist or whatever, he has a, a, a shared common vested interest, and that's his ethnicity, that's his whiteness, and the importance for white supremacy to always reign supreme. He must, he or she, white man, must push a white supremacist uh, agenda. And our revolutionary organizations don't address that. Most of our revolutionary organizations today, and this is no slander, no, and no, and I get a lot of flack from this, and I know I will from revolutionary organizations. A lot of our revolutionary organizations today address survival. They're big on they're big on the survival day. And as as if African people haven't been as as if Af, us as Africans here in America haven't been surviving for the hundreds of years that we've been over here. Now it's time for our revolutionary organizations and our black leaderships to push thriving, to push productivity, to push um, um, realistic activities that capture and hold, not just capture, but capture and hold and mold the minds of our youth. We go back like we were addressing the young people in Chicago, how their anger and their rage at the injustices and the oppression and the exploitation of African people in America led them to act in this manner. Because I, I think that a lot of our revolutionary organizations failed to acknowledge that, capture that, and direct that, and to channel it into something that would be productive for us as black people here. And what we end up doing when we failed that, when, when we failed ourselves, because failing the youth is failing ourselves, make, make, definitely please. Don't be mistaken by that. When we fail the youth, we have failed ourselves. I think that any animal, even a basic animal, 
his whole thing is about uh, continuation of their species. And so when we allow our youth to run amok and don't direct them and don't properly channel that angle or properly instruct them, then we're failing ourselves. We're allowing them to run amok and run right into the trap that has been laid for them by their oppressor. So when we fail to recognize this, when these organizations, when we get so caught up into ourselves and thinking that we have all the answers and haven't um, asked them to express themselves, the young people to express themselves and to bring their pains and their hurts to the board and start to develop programs that operate around that, then they start to act out in those ways. And when young people act out in those ways like young people do, they make very big mistakes. They make very big mistakes. So we have to start to address. So these are some of the things that we have to these are some of the things that we have to start to address. You know, what is go back to black leadership. We should have, in my opinion, some type something that holds our black leadership accountable. You know, we should want to know, like I said, what their agenda is, what their motives are. We have to start to hold them accountable to um to their um we have to start holding them accountable to the so-called oaths or trust that they're going to hold if we're going to call them black leaders. We start to have to make them step up. We have to have a criteria on what black leadership is. You know, what is black leadership? Because we have so many, is it because if we have so many followers, does that make us a black leader? You know what 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 is what is black leadership? What does that look like? Some of the things um, I know if Mariam, if you want to chime in, then press one on your press one on your phone so that I know that you're ready. So these are these are these are just some of the things that we have to speak about. Let's go to uh, Sister Mariam. And open the line up, Marion. All righty, greetings, brother Yanga. Greetings. All righty, um, I'm calling in uh, the the brother Hooney. Also, um, called mm-hmm. in at first call, and I just want to thank you um, for even having a platform. You know, you and I started out at Comcast Studios 25. You know, and yeah. so um, my executive producer. Um, who taught me? I first uh, kudos to Pluto Pata. Um, I, I want to give kudos to him, uh, Capre. He, he also goes by the name Capre. Um, he's the one Pata. that brought me Tudu. to the studio. Tudu. Yes. Tudu. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Much love. Much love. So yes. you know he's a very he's a very um, even tempered you know type of a guy. You know, so um, I told him about Mr. York, you know, and I always tell people that I know, you know, that he's my teacher. You know, I've known him since I was nine. But to go, you know, like speed up, you know, about Mr. York, um, because he taught me law, you know, like from an African perspective more than um, what you would say European. So 
And in the household that I grew up in, my father had studied um, Morris Science Templar, which was under uh, Noble Jew Ali. And so I grew up two blocks from the final call where Minister Farrakhan um, taught, you know, the community. And, of course, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who was also a great influence on me, you know, I, I saw him. You know, I saw his works, and I, I mimicked the things that I saw him do. And so he was always a leader. So I, I, that's, all I, that's all I knew, you know. And then my mom, who she just passed um, Monday, um, she was 67 with Alzheimer's. And my, my um, siblings, they, you know, they caretake for her um, because she took very good care of us. So um, I have a very good upbringing, and Chicago's good for, Chicago's good for um, agriculture, um, you know, um, what you would call black history, but I know of a Nubian history, you know, the era before um, there were slaves, you know, when we all had rulership, you know, with doctors. Lawyers, we come from all types of people. So to speed up, I'll just tell you, um, if you would go on, um, uh, is it a, a, what is that number symbol? Uh, then you would go Obama, uh, please release Dr. York, uh, 2016. Um, uh, free Dr. York, you can go there. And Ambassador uh, uh, York is Deucewai York. Um, he may have other names, I'm not sure. But you met him, uh, correct, Yanga, remember? I, rem- I remember. Yeah. So that was a really nice experience, wouldn't you say? Yes. To sit and yeah. talk with him? And yeah. and then Turu yeah. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like you can attest that we are a government. You know, we're not we're not divisive, you know. And, but we base things off of African culture, and that's it's nothing wrong with that. It's different, but America has to get used to it. Our children were born to 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 rise up above all types of atrocities. Mm-hmm. And, and you know you what? Know? Though, and let me jump in with you because you that's, yeah. that's the key. And 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 if America doesn't get used to it, that's her problem. I think that it, us right, people here. Right. Right, us as African people here in America have to. One it's of the his things problem, that they actually, brother Yanga. Are his problem. One of the things that they <laughs> that they have taught us to be ashamed to be in America is to be ashamed to be black. How many people of us? How many of us go to work and worry about our ethnicity? Am I acting too black? Absolutely. Am I dressed too black? black. Is my hair too black? black? Is my language too black? black? And never do you find hmm. this white man. Anywhere being uncomfortable in his skin, he's so arrogant Inferior. in his ways. No, he is right. very he's arrogant. So very arrogant in his ways. He's so arrogant in his ways that I was talking to a foreigner who told me even when they go across seas into another mm-hmm. place that doesn't speak English, the first thing they holler out is, "Do you speak English?" The audacity! Wow! So that, wow! So when you find black leaders like you're talking about, Doctor York and Elijah Muhammad and so on and so forth, and all these. Dynamic black leaders and free them all too. Free Dr. York, free Imam Jamil, Akhila Alameen, free yes. Matula Shakur, free Sunday Allah Kola. Free them all. Why shouldn't you know, they be free? You, when, I'm sorry, say it again, Mary. Why shouldn't they be free? Right. One of the reasons that they're afraid because these are our, these are our thinkers. 
these are one of the marks. Absolutely. These are hallmarks of a, of a leader. When they start to grab you, mm-hmm. when you can motivate and inspire people to want to do for themselves. See, all of these right. leaders inspired us for self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And not only did they Absolutely. inspire self-sufficiency within us, not only did they inspire us to want to do for ourselves, they laid out applicable programs where it could be done. Like I said, and I'm not it was, it's possible. It's very possible. Here you had a man mm-hmm. who brought the east to the west. Right. Reconstructed the pyramids of ancient Egyptians. Had their own mm-hmm. culture, their whole people speaking their language, living by Absolutely. their code of life and their and their, and their ways. Dietary habits. To fit practices. today. Marital yes. practices, right? Community living. The whole nine, and you find that in with our dear brother Matula, who they locked up, who brought us, uh, who who showed us the power of acupuncture in mm-hmm. rehabilitation or um, the the rehabilitation and intervention of addictions, coming and helping. Right. Any time that we as African people start to do for ourselves, we become, we come under attack. And like you said, this is important. That's- like the brother was talking about, not just having followers, but having leaders. Because when you have leaders and they take your head leader or your main leader, your main motivator, inspire, that it doesn't quail, it shouldn't stop the movement, but it should only inspire them to work that much harder, to show them that once you take one of us out, we will work that much harder to recognize and realize the vision, to continue. you got to have vision, and you have to teach it to your children as well. Yes. You have to you have to you have to ingrain that in your children. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what he taught me. So in other words, I saw multiples of him. And then I have five daughters and one son. So my daughters are absolute duplicates of me. And then my son is is du- a duplicate of his father. You know, both Doc and his natural born father. You know, and I say mm-hmm. doc, I say Dr. Monetizer York. You know, so you know, I, I now we're all cousins. You know, we just forgot by lineage how we attach. But of course, it goes back to Jesus, which people, the Christians these days think that that's the more the Moroccan or the the one with the fast. You see what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. they don't realize they don't realize that the the whole thing about um. The Arabia thing, that was to steal our culture, to dumb down our culture to to something that looks pale. And you say that that is something, you know, like Turkish. So they have a jealousy because you have melanin. I'm going to just tell you what the truth is. The whole thing is about your DNA, and you have to be re-encoded. That's the whole purpose for Mr. York because he's the reformer, and that's what reform means. So he had mm-hmm. to teach it to me, so I could teach it to you, not you you personal, but general, because we all mm-hmm. think tribal. So he made me, if I'm a leader, that I just can't be. I'm not a Christian leader, you see. I'm not a Jewish leader. I'm not a, you know what I'm saying, Pakistani, you know. I'm not any of that. I'm an African, you see. I'm mm-hmm. an African leader. I'm a Liberian. I am. You see what I'm saying? Whatever Mr. York is, that's what I am. I don't know. I don't know anything else. I don't well, know anything well, else. I think that that's that's. I think that that's the ticket. His supporters, the the New Orleans people community, should push forward, push hard to recognize and realize that vision. 
and then realizing his vision yeah. and also his vision of, of not just nationalism but internationalism, the globalization right. of an African identity, the empowerment of all mm-hmm. African people, and that's where the strength is going to lie in, understanding that mm-hmm. society is made up of different types of people, inclusivity, yeah. the inclusiveness yeah. of all African people, and coming in and teaching right. and, and being able to take these positive, productive ways and means and teaching them mm-hmm. to the people so that they can see how that betters their life. Too many times we right, find, absolutely. I think, one of the saddest things that saddened me about um, his incarceration was mm-hmm. not just the loss of information, the wealth of knowledge that he had given us. I told you as mm-hmm. far as my personal testament to him was coming up as a Sunni Muslim um, that all my, you know, all my life coming up as a Sunni Muslim, I don't know if it was planted in me intentionally, but when I sent my tarawat mm-hmm. upon the um, uh, the ambiar upon the prophets, naturally in my mind mm-hmm. somewhere, it, they just would come in my mind, these pictures would be Arabic or Arabs. You know what I'm saying? Really? And I think, yeah, it was just, I guess, just coming up. But what the influence of Dr. Malachi York, who especially at that period, the Ansarlaw movement, was I identified, he helped me to identify myself in scriptures. When I went, oh, when I yeah. read, when I got my first El Quran, and I looked in there and hmm. I see Ibrahim and Musa, Isa, and everyone else, Alayhim mm-hmm. upon all the prophets, peace be upon all the prophets. When I saw that they were people that reflected me, that these were brothers that looked like me, it gave me, it, 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 it not Inspiring. only I think, inspired me and enhanced my practices, but I could really feel it then. I could see oh. how important it was and how it And uh, a connection. It is a connection, yeah, huh? It was a connection, right. It wasn't just rituals that oh. we were going through. It really, I really seen how it related to me as a black man and how my history was rich, how that was my history. You see, and yeah. the, and why certain yeah. things were important to me, and why the importance to leave off destructive behavior and destructive habits. And I think that that's Quickly. the role of any black leader and any revolutionary organization is to make the mm-hmm. teachings real. So this is what Doctor um, the Honorable Doctor Malachi York did for me. And not like I said, and it wasn't just the information, and then to see the programs, to see the works that he did in Edenton. One of the things that mm-hmm. I felt like was lost when he was taken was the programs. You know, this isn't a slap yeah. to the Nwap. My prayers are with the Nwapians. My prayers and my practices and my actions are to free Dr. Malachi to York, but I saw after mm-hmm. his absence, after he was taken from the masses of people, I just saw yeah. a lot of talking and a lot of teaching and not as much practice as this honorable oh, man had yeah. shown. I hear a lot of yeah. I've seen a lot of groups, I saw a lot of his students splinter off and form their own groups and become these gurus and these great teachers mm-hmm. and you know, they you know, and all of these men of substance and men of knowledge, but I didn't see the programs. And I think that that yeah. is super important. The same with Elijah Muhammad, the same with the Honorable Noble Drew Ali, these leaders who have programs mm-hmm. and who had unified the Honorable Marks and Side Garvey, man the list goes on. Yeah. These leaders who mm-hmm. not only taught us but had programs for us to to live the expression of self-determination, to start to live right. out and these visions and these goals through real meaning yeah. and ways were taken. Yeah. And it just became yeah. a lot of people talking, 
talking the talk. Maryam, I'm going to leave your line over for yeah. a minute, and I want to go back to my lines because I don't want to leave um, the people hanging. Your, and your I appreciate listeners you. I just I just want to add uh, one thing is that yes. um, his vision he taught it to me and through a craft of you know um, doing broadcasting and also doing um, uh, you know visual arts you know because that's when you grew up I mean the, in the backyard where I live was a pyramid you know mm-hmm. with a big cat you know mm-hmm. and you had cars that would go by that would hop. I mean, you know, Doc would get mad, would hang our clothes outside. We was ghetto. Doc would be so mad with us. So I will, I will give you, you know, he's like, no, this is, this is a theme park. You can't, you know, misrepresent it, you know. So he, he did not want, he did not promote, you know, a negative lifestyle. You know, it was not not to derate anybody, derail. It was not Little Kim. It was Erica Badu. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, the ones that wanted to take the clothes off. It wasn't, okay? And that's mm-hmm. not to derail anybody. When you know better, you do better. Nobody's saying mm-hmm. you got to be beyond thought, you know? Mm-hmm. But that book is a certain mentality. And then your daughters are, tw- are twerking to Shirley Caesar. You know, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, so we got to, what he says is we have to correct. And it's, a, and it's a right way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be, you know what I'm saying, provoked. And this, this is what Trump is promoting. He provokes anger. And that's the heart program that they don't want you to talk about. You know, but I, I don't have fear. You know what I'm saying? I, I've died so many times. It doesn't it doesn't much matter anymore. I got kids that implant me, you know what I'm saying, a gazillion times. And I'm five feet tall. You know what I'm saying? You know that younger and I talk so much shit, Doc don't girls cussing. He says we ladies don't cuss. He is a reverend. So I'll stop talking, but I I will show you the show that I had and then an economic program that he presented. You know, and then by going into the prisons, he taught us as students we have to go and do communal. Um, I mean, my mother and father taught me that, you know, Eastern Star, Mason, you know. So, and then Elijah Muhammad, you know, it's it's like I got it from so many different angles. And my mother, she was Christian. She was perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll I'll let you go on, but in segments I will introduce other things, you know, um, and update different things. I do have a PayPal uh, under Indiegogo dot com. People can donate, you know, and and you know, there's nothing better. Donation is the best nation, isn't that right, Brother Yanga? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I was like, yes, sir, you drop. Yes, yes, ma'am. And that's absolutely right. And then, Manny, what I want you to do, too, is when you get an opportunity, send me that information. You'll send it to my inbox, and I'll put it on our page. And for the brothers and sisters that are listening, listen, I'm imploring you mm-hmm. to get involved with freeing oh, our black leaders. Whether or not you belong to mm-hmm. these movements or not, understand that every black leader is imperative to the mm-hmm. advancement and empowerment of us as a people. And that there is, it hasn't been one, I mean, like I said, whether you agree with it or not, whether you've been with it or not, that you cannot deny how influential this man has been on the life 
of African people of here in America and person, not for him to yeah, be right, not. of every person, and for him to be behind enemy lines is a travesty. And uh, Dr. Okay, York, totally like I said, Imam Jamil, Abdullah Alameen, and, and all of those is a travesty. That's Madam, right. I want to go to my phone line. Let's open up the line. Okay, you know, can I just one, one other thing, one other thing. Please, yeah. if you would just Google attorney uh, uh, Victoria E. Boussard, and, and her name is spelled um, B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D, or her husband, uh, Mario Jessup, and um, that's uh, J-U-S-S-U-P, um, and they can be Facebooked also. And they're doing a tremendous job with uh, drawing the proper attention and, and pushing away those that want to try to run this man down into the ground. He's already in the rock. <laughs> what more mm-hmm. do you want? You know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as much as he sacrificed, I don't see how the, the scales have it balanced in his favor sooner than this. Well, There's no way he should see this. Listen, man, you know the routine. You know the deal. They're not going to give yes. justice. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take the work of the masses of the people to bring awareness to this and to demand, and not just demand, but to take the actions. I like what the brother said. One of the biggest actions that we can take is accountable spending. Accountable spending. Yes. Know where our dollars are going. Stop supporting those who support legislation that is yes. specifically Directed against us, Maddie. I'm gonna go to my my, my lines because I had somebody hold me right. for a minute now, and I want to um, right. okay. get them in. Area code five six two seven four twenty three. Your mic's open. Black power. Black power. Hello. Uh, you like the show? Yeah. Can you hear us? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Black power, brother. Black power, brother. Uh. Uh, to to the to the chairman and host of the show, uh, to my people at large that are listening on the show as well. Uh, I first want to greet you in the most profound and most profound language in the American language, uh, and Arabic as well. Uh, assalamu alaikum, brothers. Walaikum salam. Right on. And also to my peoples at large that are listening, uh, my brothers and sisters. Uh, I first want to know that our Brother Phil Marshall. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. First, introduce yourself, though, brother. Let him know who's, who's speaking on the line to him. Okay. All right. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, my name is uh, Brother Makio Zulu Shakur, uh, National Field Marshal for the People's Black Panther Party. And with that being said, I'm a revolutionary and a, a people's revolutionary at that. By that, right I mean that I have declared war on all forces that have raped our women, castrated our men, and kept our babies empty-bellied at large. I have declared war on the rich who prosper on our poverty, the politicians who lie to us with smiling faces, brother, and all the mindless, heartless robots who protect them and their property. I'm a black revolutionary. I'm a people's person, and as such, I am a victim of the wrath and slander that America and the plantations throughout America is capable of, like all other black revolutionaries, such as everybody that's on this phone. We got to understand that America is is out to lynch us all. So with that being said, brother, 
I know the topic is revolutionary organization. And I just gave my title, which, you know, you asked me to do that, so I did that as a national field marshal. I'm a big yes, advocate of something that's already organized, and that's our nine objectives. As a Black Panther, anybody that's on this line understand where I'm about to go with this, and I'm not going to take long. If that's okay with you, Brother Chairman, can I run these nine objectives in an organization yes, manner, such as being a revolutionary that I stated, brother? So with that yes, being sir. said, our 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 ideology as a Panther is derived from 10 points on an international and national program. Our 10-point program is represented of our black power ideology. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we are, we are more in a revolutionary pan-Africanism uh, organization, and we have to really understand when I say pan-Africanism, that means we are at large. We don't have no boundaries in organizing ourselves as Black Panthers, and as a, that means my people don't have a set boundary to organize themselves against the systematic forces of triennial here in America. So now with that, we have what you call the nine local objectives and a roadmap to establish this black power movement as a revolutionary organization committee, meaning the people is our committee. So with that being said, any activist should be able to take these 10-point programs and local objectives and translate them into an effective black agenda in your local city. Wherever you're at, you could take these nine objectives, even if you're not a Black Panther, you could take these nine objectives and organize yourselves, organize our people, and move out against the system in a revolutionary manner. I understand the topic, and I'm going to try my best to stay in that realm in the topic of revolutionary organization. This is the first thing that came to my mind when I heard the topic, bro. So now with that being said, we have to define what is the best interest of our black people. The brother mentioned about the, the three Ds, the three Ds earlier. I heard you mention that, Brother Chairman. So I'm going to start right that on. off with that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to start that off uh, 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 to end with these nine objectives. The three Ds represent to define what is in the best interest of our people, to develop what is in the best interest of our people, to defend what is in the best interest of our people. And number one is to develop a black power movement. I just want to collaborate with that right there because you was talking about our leaders. Check this out. We should build alliance with other organizations, leaders, churches, and mosques alike. When necessary, we must we must deal firmly and appropriately with these black leaders with and who betray the interests of our black community and our people. So now we have to learn how to deal firmly, and that means in any type of form or fashion, dealing firmly with these leaders in the political aspect, in the political top position. I know one song called uh, 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 by uh, Bob Morley. The big fishes eat up the small fishes. Well, I tell you what, we we should be like Jonah when we in that belly. Just eat the ribs all up inside of the big fish. But we first have to be a revolutionary organizational aspect. As Black Panthers, no matter what formation, we have a structure to organize our people. We have a duty to organize our peoples. If we can't organize our 
peoples, then why are we saying we are Black Panthers? So now with that being said, the second non-objective is to develop a black power throughout our our education. I'm just going to run it, bro. And also to develop and define black economical power, to develop and defend black political power. We as Black Panthers are subject to run for office. We can run for mayor, city councilman. We have what you call a provisional republic in the new Africa. We have our own government. We literally run five states in the southern states. I'm not going to go that route, but I'm just letting you know what the business is when it comes to the uh, 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 the development and defend the black political power. We have to see in these states if before we really could defend anything throughout the United States, in particular our people. We spread it out too much. We're in the suburbs. We next go to these crackers at large that's, that's plotting against you while you think they're your friends. And we have states that you can move in. This man here, Donald Trump, looking like Hitler, is building against us. He want to build a wall. We have states. We could build walls around us and bring martial law up on them. You see what I'm saying? But we first had to get organized in a revolutionary manner. So now with that mm-hmm. being said, we have to develop and enforce accountability in the law enforcement and the criminal justice system. We have too many brothers and sisters at laws throughout throughout history has been murdered by the hands of these people. But yet we want to sit and figure out how to murder our own selves. I, I don't get the picture, but I do understand the picture. At the same time, as a Black Panther, that's one thing we don't do with each other, and we do not murder each other. We have to learn how to defend, develop, and define a way that we could defend, develop, and define our people in a revolutionary organizational manner. And the only way we can do that is to develop and defend our black youth. I- Mm-hmm. Teach them and let them lead the way. I like what the lady said. She's a spit image of her protege, her parents. I have grandchildren. I have children. I do my best to guide them in a revolutionary organizational manner, and that means black power in an Africanism, centralism way, organizational way. They have to be organized. First, they have to be organized within themselves. If we ain't organized within ourselves, brother, I'm quite sure you understand my words. You hear me all the time with this. (laughs) So it's nothing new to you with me saying these things. But my point is, if we're not organized within ourselves, it's hell to organize a mass of people that has been stabbed in their back for so many damn years so they don't think it's a way. We first had to organize with brothers and sisters that are that's already organized. And guess what? It don't take many to to really get the job done because those that want to do it, they're going to blend in. There's something like one scared of it and the other one glad of it. So when one jump out there, when one jump out there, guess what? You're going to have brothers and sisters who you least expected was down with this revolution, bro. When you got brothers and sisters walking around in, in, in civilian clothes watching us, looking mm-hmm. at us, know that 10-point platform, know that nine objective, but look what we're doing, the whole opposite. 
So they don't want to be involved with that. So we have to organize ourselves in the revolutionary mm-hmm. organizational manner. And we have to fight and hold these politicians accountable for what the hell they are doing and what they're trying to do to us that's going to affect our children, our wives, our girlfriends, our loved ones, period. Other than that, bro, we don't have long left. This brother here has an eight-year agenda. What that tells me? That tells me they're going to go to the grave again and get votes for another four years. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what they're going to do. And so us as Panthers, how in the hell are we going to sit back and let that happen? We cannot we, let that happen. Thing. We cannot right. let that happen. One song and I like and let about, me jump in here with you. Let me jump in here with you so you can go back and two finish your points. That's the that's the to talk about the objective. That's the objective. To understand that this that this European his whole objective is to always remain in complete and total control. That's it. He's gonna do it with his eight years, he's gonna do it with his system, he's gonna do it with his politicians that he puts in there. And I like what you were saying as as Panthers. I think that the whole question remains and we go back to the topic of the thing, what is is you know, what is the role of a revolutionary organization? And even in this day and time, you have the people questioning, are revolutionary organizations relevant? There's been so much divisiveness and so much division in our formations and our revolutionary organizations because they, we don't, I think that one of the things that happens is this word vanguard has been misused so much. Everybody claims to be the vanguard. But understand that this devil, this European, hasn't attacked us just on one front. He hasn't come to us and attacked us physically, and that's what drove us crazy, or that's what created these conditions, that his attack has been a spiritual, like you went through the non-local objectives, and I love that, because every one of those non-local objectives are a front that the African man and woman here in America must fight on. We must fight on that. Like he says, to hold this, the uh, accountability for law enforcement in our community, not just the accountability for law enforcement in our community, that's the first step. That we're telling the brothers and sisters, us as Panthers, the field marshal, myself, and other Panthers, are saying that that's the first step, holding them accountability. But the long-term goal and aspirations of any revolutionary, whether they're Black Panthers, Republic of New Africa, um, uh, uh, Guerrilla Republic, and so many of these, Black Liberation Rise, and all these other formations, should be, if they're on their political ed- education, is completing total self-sufficiency. So sorry, holding these law enforcement as accountable is the first step, but in the end, policing our own communities, being able to run, being able to not have them in our community. They are an occupying force in our community. And until we look at this government, until we look at the policemen as being armed representation of a repressive government, until we see them exactly what they are, the armed representation of a repressive capitalist imperialist government, that they are there to enforce the so-called landlords and property holders and the, and the state apparatus and to hold the masses of people down and to brutalize us and to terrorize us, then we will always try to find ways to work with them. And our goal should be to have them out of our community. I'm going to say this last part and go back to our field marshal, that we understand that in our teachings there are three types of zones, separated zones, there's an occupied zone, and there's a contested zone. Let's start with the liberated zone. The liberated right. zone. The liberated, the liberated zone is a zone that we totally and completely control. 
from That's every right. institution, from economic to education to feeding, that is our zone. They're not in there. We run that. Then there's the concession right. zone, which we find in many of our neighborhoods is what we're fighting for now. Sometimes, you know, we're in there and they're in there. It's a battleground. The contested zone is a battleground for who would gain control. And then the occupied zone is the zone that they control from the institutions of education, economics, governing of the people, distribution of the food, occupied zones. So we have to start to look for how can we turn our zones, how we can turn our neighborhoods and our communities into neighborhoods and communities that are totally self-reliant, independent, free from the influences and the intervention of our enemy. And this is what our our programs must start looking like. Our people must start being taught and inspired to work towards their own independence and their own self-sufficiency. Go ahead, Brother Mikhail, though. I just wanted to just interject that. No, go ahead, go ahead, Brother Tim. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm listening, bro. I'm I'm a school for thought, bro. You already know that. I'm just just expounding on everything you're saying, kind of – Kind of like this coinciding to these nine objectives. But I know one Mm -hmm. thing that you mentioned that was vital, that are caught with different formations. No matter what, we still have nine objectives despite Mm -hmm. our differences. Your job as a panther individually is to implement these nine objectives. If you don't Mm -hmm. know them by heart verbatim, grab a book. Take one at a time. Implement. You got seven days out the week, and it's only nine. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Take one exactly. and walk and do that. Go feed somebody. Just see somebody on the street. Go buy a hamburger. Feed them. That's your nine objective. Mm-hmm. That's your platform, mm-hmm. your, your your ten point platform. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you, when one see you do it, they all gonna do it. They all gonna wanna do it. So now, with that We're being going- said, brother. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump out. I forgot where I was at, but hey, we just have to defend the black people in general. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We have to prepare ourselves on that front line as as generals of this movement. We have mm-hmm. to. We have to. Absolutely. Whether we have to do what they did in the '60s and walk our asses to that White House as generals and let them know enough is enough. United we mm-hmm. live, divided we die. United we live as a family and community, divided, damn it, we're going to die as a family and community. All power to the people, Absolutely. damn it, we're going to free this land sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> sooner all, or later, it has to, brother. All power It's like it goes back to what you were saying, man. We're, we're at war. And the best, and one of my favorite of the non-local objectives and the best objective, in my opinion, is that objective number one, to develop, and, uh, a black power movement. When we understand that to develop this black power movement, understanding what the concept of a movement is, this goes back again to what is the role of a revolutionary black organization. When we develop wow. a strong black power movement, we understand that a black power movement is not one organization, that a black power movement is just that. It is a movement, a movement in unison, a movement in the same direction, a movement That's trying right. to achieve the same objectives of all people that have the same uh, uh, same shared experience, despite what particular formation they fall in, understanding that we have the same common experience of exploitation, economic exploitation, oppression, domestic terrorism, from police brutality to outright police murder, from um, laws that are not, from laws that are specifically 
directed to retard our development, to hold us down, to oppress us. So a movement is, and this is what I encourage Panthers in our formation in the People's Black Panther Party to the New Black Panther Party to the Black Panthers to, like I said, Black Riders, any formation is that if you're in a city, get out of the Eurocentric thinking of individualism or thinking that we have some type of red, black, and green cape and that we can take the world on our shoulders by ourselves. Go to other organizations. Go sit into other people's meetings. In Atlanta, when there's nothing happening with the Panthers, there's always something happening with other black organizations, and we'll volunteer to help them. I went out and helped um, Brother Kalanji, despite I don't care how people feel about it when he had FTPP, the people, if we weren't doing nothing, why reinvent the wheel? Why go out there and not start a feeding program to compete with his feeding program when we can combine our efforts and our energies and our resources That's right. and go out That's there right. and make that feeding right. program a bigger uh-huh. feeding program to reach right. more people. This is what has right. to be done. We get into this Eurocentric thinking of competition. And our freedom is not something to be competing with one another uh, um, against, but it has to be a work of collaboration. How do we get together? How do we work together? It isn't about the accolades. It isn't about who's doing who. It isn't about who's doing what, but it is about how we are doing what we need to do to advance. And once we come out of this, see, a lot of the revolution, the, like what Chairman Carr even teaches us and what I've, what I've held on to, and, I mean, I take it to, to, to my core, that the revolutionary must be revolutionized. You've heard That's me say right. this before, brothers and sisters, that the revolutionary must be revolutionized. Like the Muslim takes his kalimat to Tawheed, takes his shahada, that the Christian takes their baptism or accepts the blood of Jesus, whatever they do to be Christianized, that the revolutionary must go through certain processes to be revolutionized. And it's not an overnight process. That a lot of us, we've been niggas longer than we've been revolutionaries. That's just a stone-cold fact. So we're still dealing with issues, but the core values of a revolutionary are held to and adhered to by the revolutionary. And the revolutionary... With, uh, with every breath, try, starts to not only live by the accord values, but uses that as their moral and ethical compass to judge their behavior. When the revolutionary is out of line, or the revolutionary finds themselves doing something contrary to revolution, when brought back to a right thinking or a right frame of mind, then the revolutionary should immediately stop that destructive behavior, apologize to their, for that behavior, make amends for that behavior, and start to set on the right course. This is the way right. of the revolutionary. The revolutionary understands that um, we see from the what we call the third development pathers, but most call original pathers, that they had self-criticism sessions, self-critique sessions. And these sessions weren't destructive criticism. It wasn't criticism to belittle or berate your brother or your sister to try to one-up or to look better than your brother and sister, but they were sessions to really evaluate how we could be more effective some of the state mistakes we were making in the field, in our practices, some of the mistakes we were making in our thinking, in our ideology, in our philosophy. This is, what, this is why this is so important, and this is why you have to have this revolutionary love. The revolutionary is revolutionized by revolutionary love, a sincere revolutionary love, and a sincere revolutionary love will allow you not only to, um, and I have, you know, I have to thank my brothers. Me and my brothers, we get into it because we're all human. But a rather sincere revolutionary love will not only allow you to accept the criticism, but will give you enough gumption 
to correct your brother when your brother's wrong. You no see, problem. we have to get on. I have to give props to my brothers for that. We can get into the thing of getting into when we see our brothers and our sisters being wrong, carrying that mess on. Continuation of more mess. See, this is what's happening in a lot of our black revolutionary organizations with our black leadership. They have no heart. They have no sincerity. They have no purity. See, sincerity and heart will tell you to tell your brother or your sister, hey, you're wrong in this era. You may not like me for telling you this. You may get upset with me, brother, chairman, brother, this, brother, that, lieutenant, this, lieutenant, that, but you have to know because I love you. It's my job to rectify that, and if you're a revolutionary, you'll receive what I'm saying because you'll understand the sincerity of what I'm saying. So the role of the revolutionary now, what has happened in these revolutionary organizations is they've been turned into cliques. They get into their corners, and because one revolutionary doesn't like a one so-called, because I'm going to say this behavior isn't a revolutionary behavior, but because one so-called person doesn't like another person, they whisper to this clique, and so the revolutionary um, organizations turn to revolutionary cliques, which turn to revolutionary gangs, and then it becomes a competition thing between so-called right. formations. Mm. When we're not in a position oh. to be divided amongst ourselves, like this. We're not in a position. We're not that strong, man, really. There's not not one path of formation I define. I love all my parents. I just served and worked with everyone. All of them know Brother Yanger. From Sister Chair, Crystal Muhammad, Hashim, he knows me. Chairman, Dr. Malik Zulu Shabazz, they know me. They know me well. They know Brother Yanger. And I will say, go on the record to say not any one formation is strong enough to handle this mess by themselves. So it is time for us when understanding to really come to that conclusion, that realization that no one particular formation, not just in the path of formation, but all these other formations, these black guerrilla armies, these black liberation riders, these black, uh, 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 the guerrilla republic, black this, this and that, this, no, no, form, no black formation out there is in any position to handle this mess by themselves because not one for the one the formations have to understand and we have to understand you're not fighting one formation of cracker, you're fighting a unified cracker based on the ideology of white supremacy. When this cracker yells white power and practices white supremacy, he practices it in a white supremacist collective. From the skinheads to the neo Nazis to the white Christian movement all the way down to their president elect Donald Trump. They work in unison. They just have their different departments that they work in or their different methods in implementing this white supremacy. And this is how we should look at it. We get in the role of competition, and we'll find the uh, revolutionaries that are more apt to do the survival training or to do more weapon training, knocking the revolutionaries that are more politically uh, inclined or knocking the revolutionaries that are more health-based. And all of these are necessary because this attack has come from all of these fronts. They just didn't attack us physically. They attacked our health. Look at the food that we can consume. They attacked us education-wise, so there's no way to say that right now we don't need to control the curriculum and the school boards and everything that influences our children. They're indoctrinating our babies. So we have to have fronts that address the miseducation. Isn't that what the 10-point platform states, one of them? One of the platforms is we want an education, I believe it's number five, that we want a history that teaches the true nature of this decadent society, the true nature of this decadent society and the role of the black man and woman in this society. This speaks to the imperative, how imperative it is 
for us to address the education issue. Everything on our 10-point platform is not there in 10-point platform. It doesn't mean that that's the particular order they go in. It means that it's 10 primary concerns that we have. And how whatever order they come in or whatever order they achieve, these are things that must be achieved. Freedom for all political prisoners. End the chemical warfare. Not just not just uh, maintenance, not just medicine or maintenance, but we want preventive medicine. We demand freedom. We want decent housing. It doesn't matter what order it comes in, but these are the things that we demand, what we want and what we believe. Our 10 platform speaks to that. So these are the things that we should be working towards and understanding that, teaching that every – see, when I was coming up as a Cub, and you Cubs can identify and relate to this, I saw every black man in the neighborhood was a pastor. A black woman in the neighborhood was a panther. I thought all of us was panthers. I didn't know that there was a distinction. I thought that being a panther was just like being black. Now that we started to take on these Eurocentric ways of elitism, elitism, meaning thinking that we started to separate ourselves, thinking that we were better than, we started to turn the panthers into some type of social club. Some type of thing, I'm a panther and you're not a panther. And in having this mentality, all we do is sit around and debate and try to recruit from the same uh, so-called conscious pool of brothers and sisters. All we're doing is just switching and swapping members. Today I'm this formation, tomorrow I'm that formation, and the day after that I might be another formation. What's the sense in that? Instead of looking out and going after the real demographic that we're going after, and that demographic being the masses of the everyday people whom France Fanon called the lumpen, the lumpen proletarian whom our brother Huey P. Newton, Defense Minister Huey P. Newton, knew the power lied in the lumpen. What is the lumpen? I've said what the lumpen is, but since this is political, our days of political education, I explain it again. The proletarian is the working class, according to Karl Marx and his Socialist Communist Manifesto The proletarian is the working class The lumpen is beneath the working class The lumpen is that hustler That today I got a dollar Tomorrow I might not have a dollar These are the masses of people That we're trying to reach Those people who don't know Where the next meal is coming from Those people who can't even think about Self-determination or self-sufficiency Talking about their independence When they're worried about Next month my lights may get turned off Next month, I may be homeless, creating programs that they can, we can participate in that create a sense of stability and security so that we can plan for a future. See, it's impossible to plan for tomorrow when if I don't know if I'm eating tonight. This is why I don't get big, and I know survival training is necessary. Don't get me wrong. I love all our groups that practice survival training and teach our people survival training. That is a very necessary step. In, the, in, in any revolutionary transformation period, we're going to go through a period with loss of lights, when they close down the grocery stores, when all the amenities that we're accustomed to today, that we may not, it may come a time where we possibly don't have any of those. So to have backup flashlights, bug out bags, all of that is necessary. Please believe that. But if that is the extent of your party, if your party has become a survivalist group, what message does that send out? The black man and woman has been surviving in America for 475, 525, for 475 to 525 years. We've been surviving. I grew up surviving. I told my mother, like my boy Tupac said, Mama make miracle every Thanksgiving. I see my mother making miracles every day. 
to feed us. And sidebar, we will have the dynamic Sister Judith Ife Sperly, my mother, on Monday to inspire the sisters. I see I have a lot of sisters calling, so I said, you know what, let me get a sister that was in the Panther Party, that worked with my father, that ran the party when my father had to go underground and when my father was um, taken behind enemy lines. Dynamic sister, one of my biggest role models, big influence on me. My mother can't wait to have her on the show. She will be on the show Monday. So, you know, I encourage everybody to call in, but especially those sisters call in, get the questions. Find out how it is to be a woman in the revolution and how to raise a knucklehead boy in the revolution. And I like to think she, maybe I'm being egotistical, I like to think she did a pretty good job. But um, to go back to that, so when they get us on the survival thing, get us to where we're just surviving, then we don't feel the comfort. We don't feel the stability. We don't feel the security to start to plan for a tomorrow. And when you don't feel that comfort and that stability, when you don't have that security, not only can you not plan for tomorrow, you can't envision tomorrow. And without vision, what are you? Without goals and aspirations, what are you? Without dreams, man. Without dreams. Can you imagine the people that don't dream that they're living? You're a zombie. You and I have been reduced to zombies. Day-to-day, the monotony of day-to-day life, the anguish and the toil of just the redundancy, the back and forth, the same old, same old, day-to-day. There's no wonder that the black man and the black woman start to use things to escape reality, drugs and sex, violence. Anything to feel Because we don't feel anymore This life hasn't offered us any feelings We don't have any feelings So we, 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 we go to excesses We abuse one another We become violent We abuse substances We abuse our body Sexually And any other kind of way Just to feel so the role of the revolutionary organization and the black leadership, in my opinion, of course, is to provide those programs and to get us together, to come together, to work, to have programs. And in the midst of creating these programs is only to inspire and motivate us to self-sufficiency and determination and why that, so that we can dream, so that we can have visions again, so that we can have a, a, a goal to fight for. I love being a cub. I love the experience of being a cub. I love the times that I do remember before I turned into a knucklehead um, of the liberation schools and with my comrades and, 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 and being with my father. I love that. But one of the curses of being a cub is, is what you've heard me say before is that we didn't know defeat. That we beat into us was an certainty of victory. That defeat was not an option. That freedom of death, that slogan was not just a slogan. It wasn't just a chant. It was a declaration. It was a was and is a statement that I would have freedom of death. You know that to be the fact, Shakur. You know how we came. And our souls death, brother. Our souls death. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> It was That's it right. was freedom it was freedom or death. So they we were raised to be the next wave. We were raised to be soldiers. And that's what that's the curse of it all. So that's what we fight for. 
But what we're asking our people now and what we're telling our people now about African communalism is that I can't do it. You can't do it individually. Brother Shakur can't do it individually. That we all need to come together and come together to start to come up with these programs to find ways that um, to find the ways that that we can all um, come together and work so that we can have these we can have these visions that we can start to we can start to implement them that we can start to do things to see a better tomorrow. Look around you, brothers and sisters, and find out ways and pictures or whatever that we can start to encourage these these better tomorrow to give our children visions. Let's go back. I'll go back and talking about the four young people in Chicago. Prime example of what I'm talking about. The four young people in Chicago who acted out their frustration and rage. They're angry. They're just a microcosm, microcosm of a macrocosm. They're just a small example of a bigger problem. You think it's only those four people that feel that way? You think it's just those four youth that feel that way? They were just youth that were just so outraged that they were moved to action. Everybody can look at the video. I can't believe it. Oh, my God, what the crazy hell? Why did they do this? They were youth that already moved to action. I question the revolutionary organizations. How were we so negligent? How did we become so blind that we missed this outrage in our youth and failed to give them a program to direct and channel that into something that would be beneficial and edifying to the black nation? They were left to their own accord. They were disgusted with Trump. That's why they hollered, fuck Trump. Fuck the white man. He felt it in his core. He felt every bit of that when he struck that white boy. He felt every blow he said it. he meant it. They charged him with hate crimes. I hate that they charged him with hate crimes because to charge him with hate crimes, you must charge the one that inspired the hate. Charge that crocker that inspired the hate in an 18-year-old black man. We don't just grow up hating. That brother didn't just wake up one morning and decide to hate white people. His conditions, the things that he saw, his life that he was forced to go through inspired that. It built up and built up and built up and built up until it exploded. So to charge them with a hate crime, charge yourself, white America. You make me sick. Your hypocrisy. You make me. You, Burbage alert. Get the kids out of the room because I'm about to say something. You fucking disgust me. You fucking disgust me. I watch your news media. And you come on here like this is the worst thing that happened to the planet Earth. What about that cracker that walked in the church and killed nine black people? Yeah, he's being charged. You say, well, he's being charged with hate crime. Did, did, did black people inspire his hate? You inspired his hate, too. You inspired his hate. You go into a church with the, the with praying to Jesus offended you. You inspired his hate. But to go back to our youth, so we, in our, in our selfishness, in our self-righteousness, in our faith that we're really doing something, we missed it. And we missed a key component 
in the most important element in black existence, and that's our youth. We missed it. We failed to provide programs, but don't allow this to be, let this be a warning to us. We get ample and ample and ample warnings. We got it through Trayvon. We got it through Mike Brown. We got it through the brother they killed in Baltimore. We got it through uh, uh, the mother uh, uh, that they killed when they shot the son. I know down here in Atlanta, Catherine Johnson, an elderly woman who the police kicked in the wrong door. She didn't. She thought somebody was breaking in, so she came around the corner with a gun. They killed her because they served a warrant on the wrong house, then planted drugs on the mother. We see it time and time again, but we suffer from nigger amnesia. You and I suffer from nigger amnesia. What's nigger amnesia? Ask Harriet Tubman what nigger amnesia is. When that cracker hit her uh, head, she was going to spell. What nigga amnesia is. You crack the you so hard on top of your head, you're constantly killing us so much. They're constantly bombarding us with atrocities and barbarity and brutality, and it's happening so fast that we become immune to it. We get nigga amnesia. Murder on top of murder. They got you worried about ISIS, they got you worried about terrorism. Shit, it's the police that should be, that we, that's terrorizing us. We're being violated. So when we suffer from this nigga amnesia that we suffer from and the way that we escape nigga amnesia and the way that we escape feeling worthless because they made you feel worthless, why? Because you're trying to appease this devil. You're trying to appease this cracker. So he's made you feel worthless in the way that you make yourself feel some self-worth is you get on Facebook. Take a few photos with Umar Johnson and shit. <laughs> you, you got a little fly, a few little fly posts. You know I'm telling the truth, brother, brother speaker. You get your, you get you, you get your fly, a few little fly, little fly, little posts, and you feel better. But you don't get out there and do the work and look at the program. And by the way, brother speaker, let me say kudos. I saw the picture of you out there with the soldiers implementing. Local objective number nine, building a strong black power movement, crossing the lines of every formation to march and to step forth calls with every formation, allowing the egotism, allowing the sectarianism, allowing uh, a partisanship, what we call in seat street set tripping, homie. No right set on. tripping. It was right. Panthers out there standing for a cause. Right. This is what we have to go through. I'm going to talk to my, my, my national uh, minister of culture, Master Sanjata Keita Kamara, who is in Chicago. I'm going to talk to him, who is the, um, talk to him, he's, you know, with the Almighty Vice Lord Society. Shouts out to my boy Daryl and Boatman and to Growth and Development, formerly known as Gangster Disciples, Free Larry Hoover, Free Chairman Larry Hoover. Yo, if you out there working with Growth Development, Gangster Disciples, you in Chicago, what's going on? What's going on, Ice Lords? What the hell going on in the Holy City? Ain't nothing holy about it. Folk, growth and development, thanks to the disciples. What's going on? This went down in your city. Just like when it goes down in my city, you call Yanger, you hold Yanger accountable. Yo, what's going on in Atlanta with the youth, brother? This is revolutionary love. We have to be able to hold one account. Don't get mad. Oh, nigga, calling me out. Call my city out. Who you think he is? I'm not calling you out, black man. I ain't 
coming with no tough guy. I'm your brother. So as your brother, like any brother that sees his little brother or big brother not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're going to pull that coat. And I'm pulling your coat. It's time to step up. And if you need our aid and assistance, then reach out. We have to do better, family. And that's across all formation lines. We have to do better. Our survival depends on it. You see it in our youth. You saw them acting out. How much plain it could it be? And, and, and like any youth, like any young people that act out out of frustration and rage, they don't think they're committing criminal acts. They're committing criminal acts. That alone is bad enough to commit criminal acts. But what's even worse than committing criminal acts is indicting your damn self, telling on yourself. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be I know people say, oh, that's insensitive. Put your own Black power, brother. Free the land. Free the land. <laughs> right on. <laughs> that's worse than a crime committed when you're so young and immature that you don't realize what you're doing to the detriment, not just of that white boy, but to the detriment of yourself and your family now that you're going into the whole black nation. And these crackers love it. They love to parade and put it on their news because what this does is dehumanize the victim because not just that white boy was a victim, but those four youth were victims of a society that produced that type of rage inside of them. So now they describe this devil would dehumanize the victim and give a police an opportunity or reason to shoot our young people on sight. They say, look at them, they're savage. They paint us out to be inhumane. And we have a list. We can go through a list of a trade. If you want to compare, you don't want to compare crimes against humanity or crimes against race. You don't want to do that, white boy. That ain't what you want to do with us, if you want to be honest. If you really want to get to the nitty-gritty and start to look at who perpetrated the worst crimes against humanity, we're not just talking about nationally here on the shores of North America, but we're talking about globally, worldwide, criminal. You're the criminal. You're the criminal. But we can, I can lay the blame game all day. It's been done before. What does that solve? There's no solutions to that. I can say, white man, white man, white man, white man. You and I both know that. We know this devil is a white Most of the people on this radio program now are students of history in one form or another. They know the true nature of this decadent society and the devil that created this decadent society, and I ain't even got to call him, call him a crack or a white boy, whatever, the man who implemented, the people who implemented a white supremacy at the detriment of every other people, not just African people, any people of color. You've exploited everything. You come, I mean, we charge you with genocide. You come and wiped out a whole, damn near whole species of people, took their land, and they give them a little plaque somewhere and a casino and some liquor, gambling and some liquor. Savage. You savage. Then you take all other people from their land, bring them to a stolen land, and, 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 and steal that culture, their language. Their more ways than Norways and anything that made them remotely remember or remotely identify them to their motherland, to Africa, anything that would remotely empower them, that would inspire them to greatness. And you're still doing it. I watch your movies, still whitewashing Egypt and Africa and everything, hell. You're still doing, I call it the Tarzan Syndrome. 
He's still Tarzan. Got the white boy in it. Nigga been in the jungle all his life. Can't say hello to a monkey and got a white boy sneak to every animal in the jungle. Hell, out of here, he can whoop every African in the jungle. Nigga be elephant, white boy be elephant ass. You still doing it through Hollywood and depicting us as savage and backwards, and you the hero to come save the day. So you're still doing it. This is your nature. This is what you do. I'm not going to blame you for your nature. Do I blame a snake for being a snake? Everybody from the street know the story. Y'all know the story about the lady that bought the, the that found the frozen snake, took it into the house and thawed the snake out. Once the snake got warm, the snake bit him. I don't want you bite me. You know I was a snake, bitch. That's what the snake told her. You knew I was a snake. So I'm not going to sit here and blame the snake for being a snake and biting me. But what I am going to tell my people is careful how you handle the snake, if you have to handle the snake at all. Let's get away from where snakes are. Let's chase the snakes out of our garden. Let's get rid of the snakes. Why do we need snakes? Let's do for self. There's nothing in our communities that we, that our community, there's nothing that we need that our communities don't contain. Nothing. They know this. They know this. And you know how I know that they know this? Because they target you and I. They target you and I. You've heard me say this before. They target you and I with the fast food. They target you and I. Their education is directed to derail you and I from realizing who we are. They target you and I economically. They exploit us. So everything that we need for self-sufficiency is contained within us. We just have to wake up. We have to wake up to do better. We have to challenge these revolutionary organizations. We have to ask them, what are your roles? And if they don't fill up these roles, if they don't fill the, what we're trying to achieve, don't be mad at them. I'm not mad. If I bump into an organization that I don't feel like that's not the direction I'm going, I don't say, hey, don't go in that direction. That's just not my forte. So I'm going to allow myself or I'm going to join the revolution at the reflection. Listen, I'm, my door is open. Come check us out at the People's Black Panther Party. If we're not for you, which we're not for everybody and everybody's not for us, if we're not for you, there are plenty of organizations to get involved in, but get involved. The bottom line is get involved. Get involved with your own self-determination, with your own existence. It is imperative. Please, everyone within the sound of my voice, inside of my voice, Understand and recognize that this is no longer a a something cool to do, a fad. We talk about the 60s and we talk about the original Panthers and the other movements that were along with the original Panthers, SNCC and RAM, Revolutionary Action Movement, and um, those organizations that we were blessed to have. And they didn't, how did they? Gone as the support of the masses of people because they understood, the masses of people understood that these organizations were imperative for their survival. Now we have to find a way to engage the masses of people the same way. The racism is not as overt. It's still there. I mean, you still see, uh, I can't breathe. Look what they did to Eric Garner. Brother said, I can't breathe, man. I can't. I mean, yo, see, we're so desensitized now. That don't even, 
move us. I can't even watch the video. Sometimes I still go back and watch the old videos so I don't get nigga amnesia. And I'm watching this man run about, I can't breathe. Like I can't breathe, and it seems like this devil clenched his, clenched his arm. Illegal chokehold him. I thought they outlawed that hole and murdered Eric Garner. Murdered him for no reason. You see? Murdered him. Murdered. So the racism is still over, but not as blatant as the Bull Connors and the water hoses and the dogs and things of that nature. So we have to find a way to start to engage our people. We have to be creative engaging our people, but nonetheless engage them and let them know that it's still imperative that you fight for your survival. That you fight for your survival. I don't know what more I can say, brothers and sisters. I love coming to you, but I don't come to you every week, twice a week. For the sound of my voice, I come to you out of the sincerity and love of African people here in America that I say something that will encourage and motivate. And like that I said before, that I've been told I need to start encouraging people to look us up, check out our webpage. You can inbox me. I believe I feel Marshall is back online. Make Ocean cool. Inbox him. Inbox anybody in the People's Party. Check us out if you want to be a member or if you just want to work with us. We uh, also have other programs. And if we have... I'm more with the People's Black Panther Party as a political defense, um, self-determinist party. But our community programs is Community Life. We have a group called Community Life that is dedicated to the empowerment, edification, and rebuilding of the community. We're building a defense program called the Panther Defense Forces for my brothers and sisters out there that are more military-inclined, we have a, de- a military mechanism, Panther Defense Forces. I'm going to start building our information department into a black independent black media, this program being one of them. And we want to start, we're looking for those people that are into that to build a strong independent black media. We can get together and we can come together. We want newsprint. We want um, internet media and, like I said, newsprint and, and, and film and video. And we're doing the radio, we're doing audio. We want to get off just blog talk, but we want to get on the um, uh, radio airwaves. So, I mean, we have visions and we're trying to accomplish something. And if you have something to contribute to this, please look us up. Get with us. We have a spot for you to fill. And with that, I, I, I'm going to end my piece. I'm going to end mine. I'm going to thank our field marshal for coming on, who I know has been um, pretty busy. We got a couple minutes. Brother uh, Marshall Shakur, would you like to say something in, 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 in a couple minutes and I close and we got, what is that? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, black sir. Power, once again, I would like to give a black hand shout out to uh, to uh, uh, your father as well as my comrade and uh, uh, national mentor, as I see it, uh, Brother Kohar, Brother Abdul Kohar. I also would like to send my revolutionary love black hand to also my other mentor, Brother Abdul uh, uh, Lamamba. <clears throat> and with that being said, and to all the Black Power Movement uh, members at large, uh, no matter what formation, I love you as a brother, as a servant of the people. I serve the people person. I am a people's revolutionary person. So with that being said, all power to the people. 
and may the people also come together to free the land for the benefit of our lived ones and our young ones and as well as our loved ones, brothers. Black Power, brother, good job, brother. I love you. Black Power, brother, love you too. I thank you for the good job. And I'm about to put someone on the spot who usually has been a supporter since we started back up. And uh, I'm putting her on the spot. I know she doesn't even know I'm over there. My sister Cam, you there? Okay, I thought she might have been. No, you know what? That is the wrong. Let me see. Sister Kim, you there? Okay, she may not want to speak. Usually a, a supporter, very big, and we appreciate her chiming in and tuning into the show. With that, brothers and sisters, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it. There again, I encourage the brothers and sisters, listen, if not the People's Black Panther Party, a formation, a progressive black formation, that is about to change our people. I want to thank the people coming on representing Dr. Malachi, Malachi of New York. I definitely want to thank um, Mariam for coming on, who's doing great work and a very big advocate, a very big advocate of Dr. Malachi York and freedom, also feeding the people down with growth and development that have been doing that thing in Atlanta. Just want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. I'm going to leave you with the way that I came to you. That's all power to oppress people. African power to an African people and black power is your chairman, Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party, Independent Black Talk Radio. Black power. Black power.